Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Wasn't the 2021 ACB Conference simply amazing? And now you're looking forward to exploring the new podcast content from our conference sessions. That's why we're currently working to edit all of the convention content, putting it into podcast form. And we're planning to share that new podcast content with you throughout the month of August as content is finalized. We'll be releasing the first few sessions from each track, along with the general sessions, around August 6th, then releasing more each week throughout the month. To find and play the latest ACB podcasts, visit the ACB Media Network podcast page at www.acbmedia.org slash podcasts, or subscribe to the podcasts on Pinecast to be notified when new content is available. The ACB Media Network Podcasts, a true cornucopia of information. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. As always, I am here with my trusted sidekick, my engineer extraordinaire, Byron. Hey, welcome. Good morning. <laughs> and what a great promo that was to run um, Familiar Voice, of course. And um, we can tell the folks out there that the health and wellness track of podcasts is fully up on ACB Media One, along with a smattering of other podcasts that have been fully edited and put up there from our convention. All you have to do is head over to acbmedia.org and click on podcasts, then you can click on convention, or you can head to acbmedia.org, and of course, hit click podcasts and click Sunday edition, and you can hear past episodes of this show. Um, if you want to join us today, the links are all over the place, conversation, leadership, various other lists, but you can also go to that podcast listing and go to a previous episode and use the Zoom information if you have any questions for our voting and constitution and bylaws folks today. And we'll be getting to them in a second. There are a couple of other things that I just wanted to announce at the top of the show. First and foremost, if ever you have an announcement that you know is um, for the ECB community, please feel free to send me an email and I will announce it at the top of the show. I've been doing it for a couple months now. Uh, we had a lot of convention related information over the last few months, but some of those affiliates and, and um, committees are doing gearing up for the fall and winter season and lots of great programming that's gonna come along. So if you have an, uh, if you have an announcement, you'd like on Sunday edition, just email it to me. I'd like to send love out to President Dan Spoon. Um, I'm sure most of you have seen on the list that he had to take a little bit of time to, to deal with some health stuff. So love and, and prayers from Sunday edition, myself and Gabriel. Also wanna send some prayers out there to Jason Castingway, friend of the show, friend of ACB Media. And before I get to my guests, I also just wanted to send some love out to Debbie Hazelton. 
who, um, as most of you know, has stepped away from ACB Media last week, and there would not be a Sunday edition. And and I go so far, Byron, I think you'd probably agree with me to say that we wouldn't have ACB Media itself in the form that we have it right now if Debbie wasn't helming a ship and and really making sure that everything over the last couple of years at ACB Radio is top notch and top quality. So personally, I just want to say, Debbie, thank you for believing in me and Sunday Edition and all the help that you provided and and the friendship. I, I absolutely adore and value our friendship. So good luck in whatever your next endeavor is. And don't hesitate to stop by Sunday Edition and tell us all about it. <laughs> all right i am actually going to turn it over to connie sims to introduce everybody who's here today ray campbell will be stepping in for dan spoon which is great i am knocking again we're going to send those prayers out connie who do we have today thanks anthony thanks for having us here again um so for us we have um board task force we have pat Sheehan is a chair, Jeff Tom as vice chair, co-chair. Uh, Ray Campbell was gonna be here anyway, so he is actually part of um, the bylaws and constitution. And Don McCann, if he, I don't see him yet, but if he does come, he will be here on part of the um, constitution and bylaws also. So that is who we have. Um, we're glad that Dan plans on listening today and we wish him all the best and hoping that he'll rest and recover. And yeah, he's in good hands with Leslie. So I know she'll keep an eye on him, but um, I'm excited. This is an exciting day for us, um, exciting day for ACB that we are hoping to make history. Um, we're making history with having the meeting this afternoon and last night, but having, history made that we can move forward and have remote voting for everyone. So um, I think it's great. I think it's going to be exciting. And I think the future for ACB looks um, promising. So I just would like to have um, Pat and Jeff make a few comments if they would like. Thank you, Connie. Um, my name is Pat Sheehan, and I'm chair of this wonderful committee. Uh, and I think uh, first, I which I always usually start off with is thanking the committee for the wonderful work that they've done, uh, putting a system together that I think was technically very good and working through the processes. I think we had very successful voting. Would really like to give a big shout out to Dan. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have his leadership. This was Dan's vision to put this forward. Uh, when we started this whole task last November, Dan helped put the committee together. He looked at the chemistry, helped make the appointments. Uh, Dan um, worked through all five of the committee's uh, meetings with us and uh, <clears throat> helped the issues. And that, that was great. He also, when Connie put together about 30, I think, outreach shows, Dan was on about 90% of those. So, you know, this is something that, that he really has shepherded through. And so Dan... Uh, we're, we're doing our best without you. Thank you for your leadership and your vision. It means a, an awful lot to a lot of people in ACB uh, that we have this opportunity today to, you know, on this show to answer questions and later on today, you know, to uh, move forward with uh, votes 
that can secure remote voting for the for ACB yeah. and also remote uh, uh, remote meetings, hybrid meetings. So thanks. It's good to be here. Jeff. Yeah, thanks, uh, Pat and everyone. Thanks for having us uh, on the show today, Anthony. I want to echo Pat's comments, both with respect to the task force, which she has done on and many times Pat has, and it is true. I, I can't think of a better task force that I've been on in this organization. Uh, everyone really stepped up and gave their own input and came up with a great product, I think. But not only uh, was Dan there all the time and, and did he um, provide a vision for the committee, he also, I think, and this may have been his greatest strength, he never wavered in his understanding of um, what rank and file members needed to hear, the questions they needed answered. If he answered the same question 40 times, he understood uh -huh. the need that people had. So I just want to um, also you know, mentioned, you know, how much Dan has meant to this process. Finally, I just want to say, as um, Connie mentioned, this is an exciting day. If, if we pass these amendments, we create a new beginning for ACB with respect to not only voting, but conventions. I don't think any of us um, in ACB are going to fully understand the change that will be created in our culture today um, until the next five or 10 years down the road. It's going to mean massive changes that we don't even know about yet. Um, it's going to mean a lot of decisions that we will make as a democratic organization. And that's only going to strengthen us no matter how we come out in all the decisions that we have to make in the years to come. So I'm really excited about the future. I'm excited about universal, you know, voting in ACB. Uh, and I hope that we will pass these amendments today and go down a road. Uh, perhaps a road not taken would be the way to um characterize it so I, i'm really excited about it so thanks and thank you so you know one thing I, I definitely want to highlight as an acp member um and maybe from a, with a fresh perspective compared to a lot of the members out there you know there's a a thought school of thought process that everything in acb takes a long time to get accomplished um and i don't think that's necessarily true and i think definitely looking at this process you can say that you know a lot of hard work was done and in a short amount of time you know organizations of our size across the country have been dealing with lots of of the same issues and they you know how many organizations had an eight day you know 12 hour day convention virtually and pulled it off with the panache that we that we have um, and the same could be said for, you know, for making this process happen. What I want to, how I want to structure um, today's show for everybody listening, there is going to be ample amount of time for questions. 
Um, so please, if you want to start putting those hands up, we will definitely be getting to them in about 15 minutes or so and, and carry on as long as, you know, as long as the show will last. But having said that, the debate on the merits of what these amendments, you know, are, have already been done. So we're going to ask that when you do, you know, when you do come up for your question, the debate portion of, of this process is over. So this is this is to answer whatever questions are left lingering before we actually take the vote. So having said that, the the rest of this introductory piece, I'd like if um if you guys can explain the amendments in you know the in as people friendly as you know as person friendly as you possibly can, explain exactly what we're voting on. And then I want to turn it over to Constitution and bylaws so they can give us kind of a run through of, of why it went, you know, why it's happening this way and what it'll mean for the future. So I'm assuming that Jeff will take the first set of comments um, and explain to us exactly what the amendments say and what we're voting on. Well, I'm not going to say, I'm not, uh, not going to do what they, oh, sorry. I thought, he, did I, you say me or John? Jeff, but I was just going to say I do have the information in front of me if we ever want to refer to it. So go ahead, Jeff. Okay, so I am not going to regurgitate the content. I'll let Ray or someone do that. But very simply, the, the import of what these amendments do is to allow us to hold our conventions in a hybrid form where we will have some people at on site and others will be listening to the convention via some electronic platform. And that's the first thing it does. And the second thing it does with respect to constitutional amendments and contested elections is that, and motions that, that you know, uh, well, I will just say with those two things, really. It requires us to have record votes remotely so that every person has a chance to cast his or her individual vote. Those are the two primary things it does. It does not yet do anything with respect to how resolutions will be handled. That will come along later and Dan has already um, determined that a task force will be appointed to work on recommendations for that so that we can return that power to the membership where we know it belongs. And then that's a complex set of issues. So it does not tackle that today. Because for one thing, the DC code doesn't require that. Um, so it's only those two things that these amendments do, nothing more. And the third part, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, it removes the uh, the paper ballot from the bylaws from the uh, voting. In other words, we'll be yes. using all just the electronic system and not having the paper ballot as is, is in the constitution and the bylaws right now. So it's removing that provision. That's correct. But you're right. It, it is a, you know, as I think is prudent within ACB, we're taking baby steps to do the big things that we want to do right now. 
and we've heard a lot about constitution and bylaws. We've heard a lot about resolutions. And, you know, as well, all three of us being board members, I can, I can believe that after we've gone through 35 uh, resolutions between the end of August and September, we will be very happy to put the resolutions back to the membership and let them debate and, and, and figure out which ones they want up and down. <clears throat> but I think one, we have to do the business of the organization now. And two, I think it's going to be up to the entities that now, to come up with a system that's going to work. In other words, talk, let's talk to resolutions and see what they want to come up with. Let's talk to constitution and bylaws and see what they want to come up with. What we do have right now is a framework where we can have a hybrid, which I think we're going to we'll always continue to have. And also, hey, we're having we're having we, some audio issues with you. I don't know if you're moving around, but your mic is going in and out. Pat, this is Byron. Um, if you, I don't know if you have any headphones on, um, but that may help. Or if your microphone has a cord attached to the uh, computer, you might want to try just jiggling that a bit. Okay. Is that better? We yes. shall see. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. That's uh, okay. So we want to take baby steps in what we're doing. I think we've got the framework in place basically to uh, to be able to move forward with um, uh, remote voting. And we have a good technical uh, pr pr uh, application that we can use that we know is going to be helpful. So, uh, and, and effective. And I think that that's going to be good going forward. So before I go to constitution and bylaws, this the system that we use this year seems to be extremely efficient no matter which and i used all different i used four different forms of voting this year myself just to be able to test it and see what it would you know what it what the process would be um are we going to be recommending using this this system going forward for the next for next year and and possibly in perpetuity I would never say in perpetuity. I would say likely for next year because we have the relationship. We know that we can do it. There were only minor issues that we can work to fix and very minor. Um, so I would think the likelihood that is that we will be using that entity next year. But perpetuity, that's technology. <laughs> you can't call. You can't make a call like that with respect to the way our technology changes. Fair enough. All right, constitution and bylaws, it's your, um, your turn to step up. And I, I think I'll ask if you can start off with, you know, a, a lay person, you know, that all of us can understand what was, you know, what's in the, the DC code. We hear a lot as per the DC code, per the DC code, per the DC code, what was there or wasn't there that made this, this process um have to happen now and have to happen the way it's happening um is uh, connie is john there or uh, should i go ahead and start go go ahead ray you're the only don is not on so. okay okay well first of all before i do that anthony um i just like to say to continue the shout out to dan i i think that his leadership in this area is was so important you know jeff knows that this is not the first, and pat too that this is not the first time we've talked about remote voting in acb and yeah. uh that it took a it's funny it took a pandemic to get us to this point 
Um, so the other thing I want to address before I get into the amendments is, you, Anthony, you asked a really important question, and you said, "Are you going to? We're going to recommend this system." It was one of the things we did not do in the amendments, or even in the bylaw that talks about the secret ballot, is we did not specify a system. You never do that because we don't know how technology is going to change um, going forward. But what we did say is, um, and I'm kind of going backwards here, but what we did say in the replacement to bylaw two section D is that whatever system we use has got to be universally accessible to everyone. And that is so important. Um, so I wanna get that out of the way. Um, so, okay, so John, I wish John were here because he knows more about the DC code than I do, but let me try to explain it as best I can. So this year, we were able to have remote voting as we did because the mayor in DC, we're incorporated in the District of Columbia and that's why this DC code is so important. We have to comply with it. In, if you really wanna understand it, ACB has actually been out of compliance with this code for probably eight or nine years. And some say, well, why do we have to change it now? Well, why, why is this so important? Well, you know, if we continue to be out of compliance, we could get a complaint and uh, to the attorney general in DC, and then we'd have to uh, to change. But you might say you might be listening out there and say, well, well, why are we able to do remote voting this year? Why do we have to have all these amendments? There was an emergency provision put into the DC code that said that even if you didn't have the provisions in your bylaws that in constitution that you could still do remote voting it was because of the pandemic um, a lot of those provisions around the country are coming off and they're not being renewed we have no idea when the dc one is going to expire so this is why we're moving forward with it now because if we don't have this emergency provision and this takes me right into article three section c um, is we have to actually have provisions in our documents in order to allow for remote voting. So here's what Article 3C does. There's, uh, there's a lot of language there, but I'll just boil it down to really three things. First of all, it stipulates unequivocally that every certified member has the right to vote, okay? That's a requirement of the DC code. Um, as long as you're a member prior to the record date of the annual meeting. And let me just clear something up here. So the annual or special meeting. So um, the, normally the record date is 30 days before any meeting. Now with the conference and convention, you have a number of meetings where business is discussed. And so we had to say the um, language that's in the new uh, article that you heard last night, and that says basically that it's 30 days before the date of the opening session. So let's take this year's conference and convention. If we had had this amendment in place, our record date would have been June 18th. Okay, so that means that you would have to have been a certified member on or before June 18th in order to vote at the convention. So, so basically that's the first thing it does. It tells you who is eligible to vote. Second thing it does, is it defines what, how we vote, okay? So in, in the current 
Constitution, the only thing we had was either a voice vote or a record vote. And the record vote uh, essentially is uh, changed by changing to the electronic system, okay? The voice vote, we had to define what that means in a hybrid context because not everybody's gonna be in person. Uh, so we, we, we did that. So we're gonna use both the, the, the voice vote, and I'm air, quote, air quoting, is going to be a combination of people saying I or nay in the hall plus however people will indicate their preference on a given issue on whatever electronic platform. Let's just say Zoom, you raise your hand. That's how we're gonna probably do that next year. Maybe there'll be some other system that comes along that's better for that. Um, that's the second thing it did. We defined how we vote. And then the third thing we said is, and Jeff alluded to this, is that we have unequivocally said that this is per the DC code, the constitution and bylaws and contested elections have to be done by record vote. So that's the third thing that we did. Um, and we also, actually there is a small fourth thing and that is we, 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 made, it, we made it clear that um, if, how, how members that are not in attendance in person can indicate if they want to have a roll call vote on an issue if it's not felt that the voice vote is is determinative of the issue the results of the issue so those are really the three things it did it tells who's eligible it tells how we're going to vote and it tells it, it it says what is required to have a record vote and what's not so those are really the three things it does in article 3c the second one is Article 9, and that is the one that talks about how we hold meetings. And all we did in Article 9 was we added some language to the end of it, much of which is lifted right out of the DC code. And uh, there's provisions in there because it talks in there in the DC code about how you have to hold remote meetings. And so we lifted those provisions right out of the code. That is what's going to allow us to have the hybrid convention. Um, so we'll have the provisions in, and uh, and that's actually pretty straightforward. I think it's like I said it's most of it's lifted right out of the DC code. And then the third part I already mentioned, and that's bylaw two section D, which talks about uh, that everyone's going to vote electronically um, using a secret ballot. So those are really what's what we're voting on this afternoon. That, and that's pretty comprehensive. I think it, it breaks it down in layperson terms and in a way that we all can be very comfortable with. Uh, Byron, I'm gonna give you the alert very shortly. We're gonna start taking some hands and I, I really wanna remind everybody again, we're not gonna debate the merits at this point, but we're gonna answer whatever questions you have. Connie, before we turn it over to, to questions, um, is there anything that I'm leaving out or any other points that needs to be made um, before we start answering questions? I don't think so. I just think that, you know, we just, we'll have a meeting this afternoon. Yeah. We'll have the affiliate roll call um, towards the end at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So um, I just really encourage everyone to vote. I think that that's the main thing and it's just, once we get, if we can pass these amendments tonight, then as Jeff and um, 
Ray and Pat have all we've all said, then we can keep moving forward. You know, voting 2.0 can keep looking to figure out the ways to yeah. deal with the issues that everyone's been and, talking about. And I and I want to just say one more thing, Anthony, real quick, if I could, and that is this. I'm a 31-year member of AC, ACB. Guys, change is hard. The only thing yes. that constant in life is change. But yes, change is hard. And I know that there are concerns about this. And, I, and we talked about this a little earlier. I know there are people out there who think that we're continuing to take power from the membership. That is absolutely not true. In fact, we want to empower more of our members. I was so thrilled to hear so many new members of this organization this year who came forward and said, man, it was so great that I got to be able to vote and, yeah. and, and have a voice. And I just really, <clears throat> you know, the, the membership is changing and we need to change with it. And the needs of members are changing. You heard one member during the discussion of the emotion that, that brought us to this point say, you know, I could never attend a convention in person. That member counts just as much as any of us who can attend in person. And we need to remember that. And so as, we, as you think about how you wanna vote on these this afternoon, and as you think about you know, what, you, what you might wanna say as part of the debate um, during that meeting, I just encourage everybody to be there, like Connie said, and, and be there and express your opinions and then cast your votes. And I certainly encourage everyone to pass these amendments and let's move ACB forward. I think our founders would be so proud of what we're doing this afternoon. So I have a comment and a question before we, uh, before Byron starts taking hands. First, um, congratulations and well done. Good job to Deb Cook-Lewis. I know that there's been some chatter on the list. Ray, didn't she do an awesome job? She sure did. And uh, I, <laughs> nothing like baptism by fire, you know, but Deb, <laughs> but, uh, Deb handled it uh, very, very well. And, uh, you know, and um, I'm sure Dan was very, very proud last night to have heard that. No, she did a wonderful job and uh, I'm sure she'll do a great job this afternoon. So the question I have is if, hopefully when these amendments pass, is the next thing to look at the resolutions process and to work on that between now and next year? Well, I'll give my opinion. Yes, yes absolutely. And I know as an officer, uh, this organization, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scratch and claw and fight as hard as I can that that power has got to come back to the membership where it belongs by next year. Think about it, folks. How much more powerful is it when Clark and Swatha can go to a congressional office or to some other organization and say, our membership wants this or that done, rather than saying our board voted for this or that to be done. That is so much more powerful. It needs to come back to the membership. We just got we just need to figure out how we're going to do it. And, um, and, and, and that will be the next uh, thing that has to happen. And uh, I'm sure it will. Jeff, I think you had a comment as well. Yeah, I was only going to say that the the change in the process has really already begun in one positive way, and that is because we have been required to have so many hearings um, before the membership, as opposed to all of them at convention, 
There has really, during the past two years, been far more participation yeah. in terms of drafting than there was at convention. So yes, this is only a, that's only part of the way. We absolutely have to get it back in the hands of the membership. But in reality, the membership is already um, having a great deal more input than they ever did when it was at convention in many ways. That's actually a really great point. All right, Byron, who is our first hand? All right, the first one uh, up is Wesley. I'm going to, oh, you're already unmuted. You can go ahead and speak. I unmuted, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm even a little stepping to devil's advocate here, but as I understand in the, these amendments, it said that old voting would be electronic. There won't be a standard paper ballot system like an old school paper ballot for people that are actually attending the convention in person. And I'm trying to think of, of what type of a can of worms this kind of open, you know, consider we're going to do a hybrid meeting where we are going to have people at a physical convention, a physical location, people virtual. Because the thing, one thing is the expenditure. We kind of have to have, are we going to have to get additional equipment for the, the members at the physical convention? And there would be the expended, expenditure for that equipment. And I try to think like, you know, of course, you know, we can set equipment like in a couple of cases of the room or people have to walk to it. There's going to be that hassle then with getting out of your chair, navigating to a certain location that you might not fully know where it is. You know, at the main mics, you know, people vision impairments dealing with that, you know, versus maybe it's possible this could be done with a somebody smaller unit that could be passed between people at, at the table. But then again, you know, somebody that's dealing with an unfamiliar device and try to figure out, out how to, you know, cast the vote. And that's concerns about maybe voting errors, you know, that vote would come out than what the member intended their vote to be. And if there's going to be assistance for this, this is a secret ballot vote. So it'd be hard for that assistant to assist that person and keep that vote secret. You know, I mean, not, at least not have it revealed to the uh, assistant. I mean, and then, of course, you know, we can say bring your own equipment. I mean, that's not all right. That's my OG. So, but that's a lot of information so okay. far. Let's let um, let's let let's Pat say, or Jeff. I don't say Pat that should do that one. Yeah, Pat, you want to address that? And the voice sure. vote should. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that was a lot of lot of in, a lot of questions there, and they are good. Yeah. So I first want. To thank Sorry, guys. You. No, it's okay. And I'll give you a moment to rebut, you know, if you have an, a follow-up question, but let's get this started with, that's a lot of information, Guy Pat. <laughs> yes, a lot of a lot of questions there. And, and I want to thank you because they're good questions. There's certainly questions that we need to look at. And I think what's important is if you keep the paper ballot, we don't have any way to figure out uh, who has got the codes from vote now to uh, vote remotely versus the ones who are going to be at convention. So you have a security issue with double voting if you um, if you don't have it uh, fully electronic. What you're asking are the areas that we need to figure out with respect to vote now. Uh, we have we have looked at and heard about devices that other affiliates have used, particularly I think it was referenced in Missouri have used devices that can interface with a electronic voting uh, equipment that you can hand out to people. Uh, I think that not being, you know, 
being able to answer all of those questions at the current time uh, is something that we don't have all the answers to. Right. But I don't think that that is the reason for not going forward with okay. a system yeah. like this. Yeah. I would also say, I would also just harken back to where we were 60 years ago. When ACB started, um, they walked out of the NFB convention and started ACB. They didn't have all the answers of how they were going to move forward. Gotcha. So we're just saying, we're just going to leave this open and we would deal with it when we get there with the same right now. No, I think, no, I, we're not going to leave it open. A couple of different things. We are going to invest. First of all, we have to take the first step to get the, um, to get the authority to do it. And then secondly, we're going to be able to look at the technology and look at other systems. I'm sure we are not the only uh, group that needs to have a hybrid convention with a system like vote now. And most important and good work by Connie with the 30 or so um, conference Zoom meetings that she put together, we're gonna to be consulting the members to make sure that they are going to be part of the solution. So the voting task force, at least myself, we don't have all the answers yet, but I think we, there are gonna be some solutions out there. We wanna make sure that we uh, put the requirements in, into place, that we investigate it, that we communicate the requirements out to you and make the best decisions possible. I think it's technically feasible, but we also wanna have your input. The one thing voting task force will not do is to dictate what we're gonna do, how, when, and where. We wanna have your input. We need to have the input for the resolutions committee if, if they want to move into and electronic voting. And we also wanna have the input of constitutional bylaws. And we wanna have input for the, from, from the membership and the presidents and all of those groups. So yep. this is a partnership and, and we're happy to have everyone, everyone along. And I think the questions you ask are good ones. They're things we need to think about. They're absolutely uh, good questions, Wesley. And they are on our minds. And uh, like Pat said, we don't have all the answers, but again, remember what we said earlier, and that is we're, take, we're doing this in steps. Um, last year, we had a virtual convention, no business. In 2021, we had a virtual convention and we were able to vote for our officers, officers, directors, and members of the Board of Publications. Now we're asking you to, we said, hey, that went pretty well. Give us the authority to do that going forward in a hybrid convention model. And then after that, we'll see how we need to uh, address the issue. Uh, it certainly is, um, those certainly are uh, very legitimate questions that we voting task force 2.0 is certainly going to have to uh, have to look at. Somebody made the comment on one of the lists that voting task force has got a lot to do and they certainly do. And, but all of us as members certainly do too. And mm -hmm. whatever happens, whatever system we're going to use uh, for the in-person, I'm sure one of the things that, that has to happen is uh, some training and just to make sure people are comfortable with it. And, and again, and the bylaw 2D was written on purpose this way. It's universally accessible so that everyone will have an opportunity. And Wesley, you made the point about fine, navigating to it and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever been to an in-person convention, but um, that's a fun thing with microphones too. So uh, yeah, I remember they had those microphones. 
another thing is like we're not going to have problems to get access to the funds. It turns out the ACP needs to provide equipment at the university convention. I mean, that's the thing we should think about now is dealing with getting the funds to kind of procure such equipment. Those are answers. That's a second layer. Yeah, that's yep. a second layer. Those are answers we have consideration. To, but we definitely, we've heard that from many people and we certainly need to, and it is certainly something we need to consider. Absolutely. I just, you know, this is Connie. Yeah, go ahead, Connie, and then I got a point too. God, I, I just want to say, you know, when we looked at Vote Now, we looked at a lot of different systems. We did a lot of investigating, and I was part of that. We all were, but I, I can guarantee you that we will look into a lot of different ways. Um, being when I got appointed to doing the communication outreach, you know, I, one of my big things was that I want to make sure that all members. Um, have an idea, have an input. Um, I've done a lot of one-on-ones, I've done the community calls, I've done shows, and it's really important to me, and I think it's important to all of the officers and the task force that the members have a say. So we're not gonna make all the decisions. We're gonna, we definitely want to make sure that everyone knows we're gonna do a lot of training. I've already been starting to work on a lot of stuff. So I, I think that's really important is that everyone understands we're not just going to pick something or we're not going to educate and train that's already started for me at least and that's that's actually part of the point i wanted to make if, if you look at the history up to this point it has been very transparent there have been open community calls sunday edition tuesday topics visibilities anywhere the advocacy update anywhere that you could possibly think of to reach the membership it, it's been out there, you know, and if you go back and look at some of the podcasted community calls and things, all of these points and more had their opportunity to be brought, you know, into the conversation by the membership. So there was a really great point made on the list um, close to the close of convention. And it was basically someone saying, you know, you can't wait till the last minute to complain about something or to come in and want to debate something when there's been open opportunity for months to so as this goes on when you see out there the the um promotion to for a community call or come on to sunday edition or tuesday topics as the process is happening so that way every member input that wants to have you know, join these meetings, join these discussions and put the input in. When we wait till the last minute to debate topics and things, you can't then say that the membership didn't have their input. You personally didn't have your input because you didn't attend any of the other meetings. Um, the Wesley, only point, did you have, oh, sorry. Um, okay, uh, yeah, and then really Wesley, quick. if you have a follow-up point, go ahead. Yeah, you so I mean, as I mentioned, probably right now, I probably should think about having the funds available. It turns out they need to provide device to provide them. And also, Mike, we can probably do BYOD, bring your own device, because considering the people that are in person are the more, you know, I could say we ought to do amongst people with vision impairments. So it's just, you can say BYOD, but important to communicate that fact to the people but, before the convention so they can be prepared, you know, so it'll be out there that they didn't think to bring it. So, you know, communicating to the membership is never going to be the problem. I think at this point, if we don't actually pass the amendments, then the rest of it is move points. That's you know, it. it's it, baby steps, one thing at a time, but absolutely, you know, watch the lists. The, communicating to the membership is never going to be the problem. Jeff, That's you wanted it. to make a, a, a comment before we go to the next hand? Yeah, just, just two quick things. First, Wesley, the, 
the, the one of the uh, important parts to which um, these amendments answer your questions is that they're drafted in, in broad scope. So they really allow for changes in our system without going back and amending the constitution every time we need to do something. And the second thing is the cost this year is an extremely minuscule part of our budget. Now, we, and we didn't even reach out to anybody uh, specifically, I think it was there, but we didn't do any specific outreach to get grants to do this. I think voting is something that we can get grants to do. And finally, if we can't you know, use some of our funding to um, for the purposes of our elections, then what are we here for? So I just yeah. don't think cost should even be a, a, an important factor. Okay, anyway, thank you uh, we'll very much, guys. All right, thank you very much. We're gonna to go to the next hand so that everybody has an opportunity to ask their questions, Byron. All right, up next we have uh, a 330 area code. I'm gonna ask you to unmute. Welcome to Sunday edition. Yeah, hello. Yeah, my question is, yeah, you talk about uh, the uh, hybrid, you know, versus um, in-person uh, voting. Do you think this will be a fair decision? That's Stephanie, right? Thank you for your yes. question, Stephanie. Um, how about we go with Jeff this time? I think it'll be a great decision because I think it will give everybody a chance to participate in our democracy. And so, you know, I just, I, I, it's hard to say what the word fair means, but to me, it's just a win-win situation for the members of ACB. All right, Byron, who's up next? All right. And thank you, Stephanie. Um, coming up next, we have uh, Sarita. Sarita, I'm going to ask you to unmute and feel free to speak. Welcome back to Sunday Edition, Sarita. Thank you, BPI, for hosting this and thank the panelists as well for uh, being there. Um, first of all, voting electronically for me, and I think I could say for my husband, George, was awesome. Yep. I think it, when you talk about it's fully accessible, I think to break that down, it means I don't care who you are, blind, low vision, in between vision or whatever, regardless of your having other disabilities that have to be considered to make it accessible, that was addressed. Kudos for that. And I think in terms of the numbers of people who voted during the past election, it was awesome. Now, my question uh, as we go forward, and I, I, first of all, I am fully in support of this, but as we go forward to investigate other technologies to find out if there's anything else that's better, will we also, and, and I understand we're going to put this information out to all membership so they'll know about these investigative findings. I hope that special interest groups will be able to really look at this as an option for them conducting their elections as well. Because I know during this past election, I was, you know, as you did, um, I was ca calling my local state president affiliate uh, 
to say, I'm voting for this person. I'm, I'm talking to the person in CCLVI, which I'm a member of. I'm telling the person in BVI, which I'm a member of. That was a lot of work. But it, it was sure fun was. at the same time. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was fun. And I'm not complaining because it was fun. I really felt like I was a participant. But anyway, so I'm hopeful that our special interest affiliates, when any decisions are made about better technologies going forward in the future, that they too will opt to embrace that. So it's across the board during our convention week and we can just make it easier. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Can I address that really quick? Um, I'd love to please. address it too. Thanks. Paul Edwards right, and I, Paul Edwards and I had a recent discussion as, as we are both affiliate presidents of special interest affiliates. And we feel that after this um, constitutional amendment process ends hope, today, hopefully, um, that special interest affiliate presidents need to get together and have some discussions about the future, um, both for our, the affiliates themselves and our processes and questions like you just posed, Sarita. So thank you very much for that question because it this all does, of course, have major impacts on, on our special interest affiliates. So thank you for that. And Anthony, I'll just add to the, to the discussion. <clears throat> when we looked at the systems and we looked at uh, we looked at a manual system that was going to be too unwieldy, we looked at um, vote runner and I forget what the other one was. But what vote we buddy, yes, very good, Jeff. Um, what we what we need what we said we needed in the requirements was telephone access, telephone assisted access. The ability for the system to be able to interface with iOS, Android, PC, tablets. And this was the only system that did all of that. And so those requirements at a minimum is what we would use going forward. And uh, certainly we would, you know, we needed uh, an independent system, a secure system, and a system that, you know, where you could validate uh, the, 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 the ballot. And so those are the initial requirements we had going forward. And certainly we would apply that to any other system. And this system, uh, hands down, was the one we picked based on those requirements. Also, it had a track record. We knew through GDY particularly that the system had been used for five years and that the system worked well. The other thing that we were able to do with this particular system, we stress tested. It, if you think about it, we didn't yeah. have five elections. We had 15 contests, right? And uh, yep. it, worked, it worked well. So kudos to the people that made that happen. Nancy Marks Becker is another one we have to thank for a lot of the behind the scenes work that's, that's been done. But we'll put the same requirements to whatever system we're going to use in the future. I think for right now, uh, vote now, is the top for what we have, but certainly we'll keep our ears and eyes open to what's, what else is out there. As we go forward. Well, well, can um, I just say we, one more thing? Please. Can I just say one more thing? Thank you, BPI, again. I am an ally of, of BPI and I appreciate any time they host something in this regard because I immediately mark my calendar and say, oh, I got to go to them because I know they're going to have great panelists and a great moderator. 
That's all I have to say. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. I, if I'm not red, then then I'm not white either. <laughs> wow. Um, <thank> you. <laughs> um, wow. All right. Uh, so I wanted to ask as a follow up to what Sarita was saying, you know, we're talking baby steps, obviously, but is there any thought being voiced at, up to this point that the affiliates could have buy into whatever system we're going to use in the future? so that the affiliates could run their elections on the same platform. Where is Sheila Young when we need her, right? <laughs> She's on vacation. Because I know she's looking at that, Anthony. And, and wouldn't it be interesting to have a system in place and to be able to subcontract underneath that system that you could just yes. going forward? I mean, Contractually, yes, that's possible. Um, what it would cost for the for the affiliates, special interest affiliates, to use the same system going forward. But as I think all of us have said, right, if we don't take step A, we can't go down to A one, two, yeah. three, and four, right? So, but that that piece would be very exciting, and as a business opportunity for a company like Vote Now to be able to look at what their potential business could be. That's good. And, and I assume that would help make recommendations that we make, the costs go down, the accessibility go up. And, uh, you know, so- And the user of it go up, you know, more and more members oh, participation. Yeah. yeah. Particularly at the, you know, particularly at the affiliate level and the special interest affiliate level. I think, Connie, wouldn't you agree that we have a lot more work to do as far as education, even at the affiliate chapter, special interest affiliate, because we saw kind of a wide range of voting uh, ups and downs between different affiliates and what people thought they were voting, how they were using the system. Yeah, we do, you know, and that's something I've been working on that we do have a lot of education just for the affiliates and um, delegate stuff because there has been, you know, some people, especially with a lot of the newer members, a lot of people thought that once they voted for their delegate, they were done voting. So they didn't realize they had their individual vote plus the delegate vote. And I do know that Sh Sheila has been visiting with vote now. Um, so it has, it has been in the talks and in the works. And so I think we have a lot to do, but it's all coming together. The more people we enfranchise and get going, I think it's the better the outcome will be. All right, Byron, who's next? So I just wanted to make a quick comment before we move on to the next one. You know, we as ACB, we're we're a giant national organization, but we're also a group of smaller affiliate organizations, local state affiliates and special interest affiliates. And I'm sure that as we get this voting technology underway, that there will be there will be people from national that will work with your local affiliates uh there will be special uh local um how to vote sessions for those who are uncomfortable with newer technology people who are not used to ios or android or using a laptop there will be people in your local affiliate that you can reach out to and um you know when when covid is not as crazy as it is um uh, and, and we could even do this virtually, but I'm sure there will be some way to have people from national um, be at the local 
affiliates and conventions and stuff virtually or in person to help those who are concerned about being left behind with all of this technology. So, you know, I, I wouldn't get too worried about it. <laughs> Thanks. But I would, I would like to say that, and I, I'm willing to come and, you know, help and educate and stuff. Cause I, I mean, that's close to my heart. Cause I know that there is a lot of people that don't understand it. And I think that that's where point, we need Byron. to start. We're going to have to clip yeah. you, Tony. If you're going to go yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Byron, who's up next? All right. Coming up next, we have Robert. Robert, you are um, you, the request to unmute has been sent. Feel free to unmute and go ahead and speak your piece. Well, my name is Robert. Am I the right guy here, Byron? Yeah, yeah, that's you. Okay. First, I want to commend you, Byron. I'm down to one hearing aid. Blindness is no problem. Hearing is and you're coming in loud and clear. Thank you so very much. Great. I have the highest commendation for the task force, as well as our membership, of course, because your goal is to make universal voting accessible to everyone. My question, I have two. My question is in person, I'm kind of worried about them. The Zoom guys seem okay, we can use vote now. Are they to bring their iPhones on the floor to avoid the secret, I love the secret ballot when we introduced it in person, it was great. Um, but now what do they do on the floor? What happens to the secret ballot? And secondly, how do we do a roll call if we wanna override President Dan's, what he's doing or somebody else? Those are my questions, thank you. I hope you heard me okay. Yeah, we heard you, heard you loud The second clear. part is easier than the first. Yes. <laughs> The second part, it, Bob, the second part you can do through a combination of raised, let's say you, you take a vote, voice vote, and, you know, Dan says, the eyes have it. Well, if you have 25 people that either stand up or raise their hands, um, you know, total in that two groups, um, then you're going to have enough people to require a roll call. So that's doable, and that's pretty easy to do. You saw how um, our hosts were able to pretty quickly give us the number of hands in various circumstances. So I don't think that's a problem. The, I, I do think your first question presents some real issues in terms of the best way and i think we may want to have some um have the voting task force you know 201 that that um, you know i don't know whether pat will be the chair i certainly hope he is again um but somebody will and these will have to be addressed and, and there won't be probably requirements that you either stay on the floor or leave but there may well be recommendations as to what will be the best procedure so that you know you have to stay tuned on some of this um you know we're gonna have to take a look at it and you know get member input you know it's a legitimate question yeah well yep. thank you i just well, want to say i'm rereading people of vision because of the discussion and as someone said earlier the pioneers of acb had to feel their way and i trust you guys implicitly mm -hmm. thank you well, and you're and Bob, coming along for the ride too, Bob. Because, and, and Bob, yeah. we're we're glad you're coming for the ride. In fact, uh, one of the greatest the greatest things for me when I when we used Vote Now this year is that um, 
one of the first things I looked at, and it maybe has something to do with the fact I live with one of the co-chairs of the Sight and Sound Impaired <laughs> Committee, that um, I Aaron's said, on our yes, side, right. this is going to be accessible to our deafblind Thank participants you. so they can vote independently God and that was that. that was really important to me the second thing i just i just we can't emphasize this point enough you're asking great questions you and wesley and everyone but if we don't pass these things guys that's all moot because we won't be able to have those discussions of how we do it because we won't be able to do it and that so we've got to pass this afternoon's amendments pass the amendments this afternoon guys give us the authority to move forward we promise you we will address those questions yeah and i, I think from a technology point of view it's it's doable uh and certainly i think if you look at how we voted this year with the amount of contests we had i think it was 15 contests we won't have that next year we'll be back down to our normal let's say five board members, um, you know, and it won't be as, as crazy as we had it this year, but, but we'll see. I think technologically there are answers out there. We just need to, and I think it won't be one answer, just like now we, you can vote by phone, tablet, uh, you know, uh, computer, Mac, whatever. You're gonna have a range of options and that's what we really wanna look at so that we can assist and make sure that uh, it gets done right. It gets done properly. And I think it's fair to say at this point, or or for me to re-say at this point, you know, the, the, the process up to this point has been extremely transparent. And so if we, you know, history repeats itself, if we, there's a component that we have to give our leaders and the task force and it's a component that we do in what, in whatever type of voting that we, that we, we impacting whether it's our political leaders or other organizations there's a piece that's called faith when you take that vote when you make that vote you're making a vote of faith that what you're voting for will be carried out in the way that it's being presented when you vote for it and i think you know we have to remember the baby steps that we're taking and this converse all the conversations we're having around them we're giving our vote a piece of faith that what's transpired up to this point will continue to transpire as far as transparency and member input is concerned. We don't, we can't possibly have all the answers to all the questions until we take this step and then ask the next set of questions, which will open up a whole nother set of questions going forward. But as long as we have the transparency, our organization is in a great place, I would say. Uh, one of the things that I hear also, Anthony, is that folks want to be able to have that choice and they certainly want to maintain the level of accessibility uh, yep. we have in the current system going forward so that everyone gets a chance to vote. And I think that's a good message. It's not surprising. Certainly the task force hears it. And, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be working with everybody to make sure we get a great system on board for next year. Anthony, this is Byron. I'd love to make a, a quick comment, if I could. Sure. Then we'll go to another hand. Sure. Um, and it looks like we're all out of hands, so this is a good chance to say this. You know, every every voting system has its flaws, and the one that we have right now has certain flaws. There may be people right now that are having difficulty um, voting, so you, you know, we always have to 
take a look at the current system and make accommodations for people, no matter what system we're using. And so just because this new system may have some new challenges or some new things that we have to look at, it it, it doesn't mean that it, that it should be a no or that, that it's impossible to do. There's always going to be accommodations to be made, no matter what system we use. That's a very fair point. And okay. we still... I just want to say that, you know, before we had the convention and stuff, I, I actually did have some conversations with people that had members, their friends or chapter people that had concerns that they didn't need, may need assistance for whatever reason. And they contacted me and asked, you know, if it would be okay if they could do like a three-way call or if they would do something um, with that person's um, okay. And I said, yes, I mean, it, we want to make sure that everyone ha- was able to vote and that's what we want to continue to do. So yeah, we, you make accommodations, you make exceptions sometimes for people. So, um, and those people were excited and ecstatic that they could help individuals that were not going to be able to do it for whatever reason it was. So I, I just think that we, like Byron said, I think Everything has its flaws and everything has its good time, good things, but we just move forward and we accommodate people. Did, did we ever um, find out what the percentage of the full membership ended up taking advantage of voting this year? I know we, we got raw numbers of how many people voted in each contest, but did we ever get a, what that percentage is to the full membership? I did not get a, a, a percentage. Anthony, I'm thinking, what did we hear? 14, 1600 at the convention. And depending upon how you want to count, I think the highest that I heard was like uh, 998 or something like that. That was with the affiliate vote and with the you know, individual vote. So that's pretty significant. I think the other votes were somewhere around, uh, standing vote was somewhere around six to 700. But if you have that against where we have been at convention, particularly at the end of the week, those votes, I think somebody was saying, were always in the two to 400 range. So I think that, um, you know, we we did significantly better. And that's the first year without, you know, the outreach and the training. And I think think we can do better uh, next year. Byron, do we have any hands? I do not see any more hands. Thank you, everybody, for your comments and questions. <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about resolutions since we have a little bit of open airspace. There's been, um, there's been a bunch of open community calls about them. Can we refresh the membership as to, you know, these open calls are to get input. How are the resolutions going to be voted on this year? And what will the membership see when their vote, you know, how will the how will it be presented to the membership once uh, the resolutions are passed or, or declined on? Ray, maybe you want to take that up? Sure, Anthony. So so uh, the resolutions committee is meeting on Wednesday nights, I believe. And so the next one would be and Gabriel's not here. So um, can't Gabe Griffith's not here. So um, but anyway, um, 
so the resolutions committee is meeting on Wednesday nights at 730 Eastern. Um, and that call is listed in the community calls list. Plus, uh, Gabe Griffith, the chair of the committee, puts out the uh, information on that so that people who would like to join can. It's also, I believe, broadcast on one of the ACB media streams. I can't remember which one, though, unfortunately. I think five. ACB Media 5, I believe. So there's an opportunity. So they'll be meeting again this Wednesday uh, and next Wednesday. And then what's going to happen is on the 31st of August and then the 29th of September, we have 35 resolutions, guys, uh, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so um, we, uh, we have a lot of, to do. Um, and so the 31st will be the first meeting and of the board of directors where the board will vote on the resolutions that are being brought forward from the resolutions committee. The, um, the, the Wednesday night meetings, it's kind of funny, you know how they always say that um, you don't like to see how laws or sausage are made. Well, if you go to those meetings, you're actually getting to see how the sausage gets made because <laughs> you get to be in part of the wordsmithing. But it's actually kind of fun. And as somebody who served on resolutions for four years, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun to be a part of that. But that's where you can provide input into the resolutions. Um, so the board's gonna take its votes on the resolutions. Uh, we'll read them one at a time. Um, we're going to have um, the maker of the resolution, whoever submitted it, I think, on as part of that uh, that meeting. I'm hedging a little bit because I don't know what the final plan is on that, but I believe that's part of the idea. And then, um, so the board's going to hear each resolution, discuss it, and then vote it up or down. Um, and then, you know, once we do that, um, we'll do that on 31st of August, and then we'll do that again on the 29th of September. We're only doing, we're doing two meetings for these just so we can get through all 35, because that's a lot of resolutions to do in one uh, meeting. So, um, so the board will be voting on resolutions, but that both of those meetings will be streamed on ACB Media. Watch your um, lists and all that for the exact stream it's going to be on. And so the membership will have an opportunity to hear the resolutions, to hear the debate that the board has. But again, this is coming after a lot of opportunities for member input and member uh, discussion. So um, that's how the resolutions are gonna be done this year. And uh, like I said, the resolutions committee has been very busy and uh, um, it should be a uh, interesting process. And again, this is not unlike what we did last year. Uh, with the resolutions that the board uh, voted on them um, and and that. So uh, that's what we're doing uh, this year um, and next year. Uh, who knows? We've already spent a lot of time talking about that. But uh, next year, we uh, need to get that power back into the membership's hands where it belongs. The, one of the differences, between I think, what happened last year and what they really want to emphasize this year is that the maker of the motions uh, of the resolution are going to be there to speak to that resolution, uh, thought process, and explain what they are, you know, <clears throat> they're mm -hmm. behind it. And I think that that's helpful because uh, last year, I don't think we did that as well as we expected to. And uh, I mean, we, when I say that, ACB, 
And so I think that that's going to be an, an improvement this year. But I have seen a lot of, of uh, discussion at the resolutions meeting. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of work. And so I'm looking forward to translates into, um, you know, vote now next year. I mean, I think that will be a fascinating process. I think really one of the things we, we see with both, you know, constitution and bylaws and, and also resolutions is <clears throat> we're going to have to look at how we um, plan going forward. Uh, are we going to have to start these processes, um, you know, a little earlier than we- Much thought? earlier, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah. and we'll see. And, and that'll be some of the things, the growing pains that we need to, to, uh, to adjust to well, as an organization. And I think also, at, if I could just say one real quick comment, Anthony, just, just to let everybody know, you know, all of us as leaders and officers and directors and all of that, we're learning along with all of you. And so we're trying to do the best we can, but we're, we're learning too uh, how, to, how to do all this. And we just say, uh, you know, pack your patience and um, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. But I, one thing we certainly cannot do is do all the resolutions on the last day of convention. And that's good for all of us because then we've got more people with input into the process and uh, making, making important, these important policy decisions. Looking at vote now as the system we're using as a model, um, would it be fair to say that as if as we add resolutions and possibly looking at a business model where we could add affiliates as well to would that give us a better package um, potential with them to to structure the cost differently? And are there ways that we could structure the costs going forward into our membership dues or convention registration fees to offset? needing the electronic assistance every year. I think you'd have to be careful, though I'm speaking way out of my swim lane right now, about uh, about aligning that with the dues process, because of course the right to vote is, is, uh, has, isn't tied to, shouldn't be tied to your dues. But I also understand that if you're looking at the system in general, uh, the more you, are able to expand the system out to the affiliates. And, and if you have a universal system, people will get used to it. So I, so I think that it would be, you know, if you can get in there and have, you know, these um, contract vehicles where you can say that these, it, these groups want to exercise and use the same system, that would be, you know, I would think would better price on the overall system. And, and, and I think that's worth exploring. Yeah. All right, Byron, let's take a look at hands again real quick. All right. I am not seeing any hands currently. I will, I'll remind everybody that I am on the conversation list. We are on the Facebook group, and you can go to old episodes of Sunday Edition to find the Zoom information if you want to join us with any questions. Connie, do you think, um, is there anything that we've left out? Do you think there's anything else that we need to cover about today's specific vote? I can't think of anything specifically, Anthony. I think that it just... Can we go you know, over what's going to happen this afternoon just for folks uh, that are listening, just to kind of give that final reminder of what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. I, have the, I have the agenda if you want me to go over that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that'd be, I think that'd be a good idea. All right. Um, so first thing will happen, it'll be at Dip Cook. Lewis will reconvene the meeting at 4 p.m. Eastern daylight time. Um, proposed amendments will be read for a second time by the Constitution and Bylaw Committee. Uh, the debate will occur according to the procedure described in our standing rules. Um, then we'll have individual voting starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and will cease at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Affiliate roll call vote will take place at 6.15 um, Eastern Daylight Time with the same delegates and alternates designated for our conference and convention. During the individual voting, highlights from the 60th anniversary ACB conference and convention will be shared. Then Nancy Marks Becker will announce the election results around seven, between seven and 7.15 Eastern Daylight Time. And Deb Cook-Lewis will share any closing remarks and adjourn. Um, I do wanna mention too that Nancy Marks Becker is available starting at two, it'll be one o'clock central time. So it'd be- um, 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, for anyone that wants to call in and who has not found their um, unique voter code. But to find your vote, unique voter code, another thing is to look at your emails um, dated July 6th, and it's dated at time at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and it's the title of the email is ACB Ballot. So, that's so what you folks, look whatever at. email client you're looking at, if you go into your search and type in ACB ballot, it will be that one from the 6th at 7 p.m. Your voter code will be in there. Yep. And for a lot of platforms, if you did accidentally trash it, it should still be there as well, depending on what your recycling um, parameters are set to. So check your junk mail, check your trash mail. If you can't find it, call the Minnesota office. Connie, do you happen to have the direct I do. Um, to, to I do. folks? Awesome. It is 612-332-3242. And I believe I heard someone come in that I know had a question. Byron, is Margie's hand up? Um, let us take a look and see. Uh, I don't. Yes, I do see a hand. Do, yep, do, there's Margie. Do, 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 do. Margie, <laughs> come on down. You're the next one on Sunday edition. <laughs> All right, Margie, I've asked you to unmute. Okay, cool. Hi, great show. Good morning, California time. Um, I have two comments. I actually have a question and comment. And this is for all of our members to realize. Many of our members are wheelchair users. And I can remember many of years sitting in the California delegation when our president, Kathy Skivers, was our delegate and a wheelchair user. And many times she would say, somebody forgot my ballot. <laughs> you know? So I think this type of voting is really going to help our members who use wheelchairs in quite a number of ways. 
So that's one positive aspect among all the others that have been mentioned. I do have a question about the data record though. I heard it mentioned here that the data record is 30 days before election. GDUI says the date of election is 45 days before election. Is that something set in stone by the DC code or is that something flexible because there is a discrepancy? Thank you. I'll, I'll take that. Um, first of all, uh, Margie, I'm gonna correct you. It's uh, the amendments that we're proposing set the date of record 30 days before the opening session. So think of the session, the first general session of the uh, convention. That's that's going to be so 30 days before that is mm -hmm. going to be your record date. Uh, so that's true. We can set that date to whatever we want as an organization. That is not set in DC code. Um, we chose, uh, I'm trying to remember the bylaws discussion when we did this uh, a few years back. And that was, we set the record date at 30 days prior to the, um, to the opening session to give us time to, so that people would have the certified membership list. The idea at the time was that we have the certified membership list at the convention. So if there was any sort of discrepancy, um, if someone, you know, thought they should have the orange dot that certified that they were a member and they didn't, they could go to the office, we could pull up the list and right. say, right. yes, you should, they should. Um, I think in retrospect, it's giving us um, a good vehicle here so that we can put that date at 30 days before. And that gives us the time to also make sure that everybody gets their, their, their code. Uh, so that, so that's, that, that can be set by the organization, but it has to be established. So GDUI has chosen 45 days, ACB is choosing 30 days. So hope that answers it. Excellent. I have one more question and Anthony, you can cut me off if this is not appropriate. Um, this, <laughs> this does relate to electronic voting. Mm -hmm. And many of us know this year we had some people being registered. I don't know how that happened. I'm not interested in getting into that myself. But how will we, some of our members were not registered even though they've been members. Oh, I'm so sorry. Stop, please. I'm so sorry. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, Jeez. I think you were, I think what you were, you were going to say is that some of our members, even though they've been members, did not, did, did they not, did not get voting codes. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. And when they checked, they were told they weren't registered. And some of these are people, at least in California, that we've known for many, many years. So I'm willing to take that. That is a challenge. I'm wondering how we're going to overcome that. And I'm going to mute myself now. Thank you all. What a great show. Thank you, Margie. So I thoroughly um, agree with Margie's question, it, and it, it is something that we in the leadership are taking very seriously. There's a lot of places where the system can falter, um, all the way from a local chapter level to the national level. And so we're going to take a, a close look at this um, now that we have, once this is over and we have, really have some time, we're going to be taking a close look at this because we don't want to have happen. I mean, it's going to happen almost certainly on occasion, but it shouldn't happen with to the degree that it did this time. And we want to take a close look at it to make sure we can narrow the chances of it happening again. So um, to those folks who had that happen, and I know some of them too from California, um, it's something we really have to try and prevent in the future.
and we and, committed and to doing the, that. And Jeff, from the voting side, I was asked the question, and I don't have an answer. But if you have a discrepancy in the national election, you can cast a provisional ballot. We does this system support anything like that? Another question that we can ask from the vote now uh, technology side of things, you know. So there might be that might be part of an answer too. Something that voting task force 2.0 can look at, you know, how can we make the system better? And of course, the accounting at at, at your end. Um, and Connie, back to something that you just reminded me of when you read the uh, agenda going forward. Um, we the uh, call vote is coming up at uh, five o'clock. Six fifteen. Six. Yeah, good. I'm paying attention. Um, Six fifteen. <laughs> so <laughs> and so um, for the special interest affiliates and all. Uh, if you're out there listening, get your votes into your people so that we have good representation uh, from folks in these special interest affiliates. Really, uh, as, as you said, Anthony, we already know it's been out all over the place. Uh, it's been read. Uh, you, you can get this information from lots of different places, what we're voting on. So uh, get your calls into your people, whatever system you're using, and get your yourself uh, heard so that the when we take the uh, roll call vote, we get good representation there. That's going to be important. We don't have overnight like we did uh, at convention. So, but there yeah. are systems out there and, and I was pleased with, uh, with some of the attendance that I heard from some of those uh, special interest affiliates. I think uh, there were some outstanding uh, affiliates that did a good job. You know, to speak to Margie's question also, it's it's a larger issue. And I I implore, you know, members out there listening to go back to both candidate forums, both the ones that uh, BPI slash GDOI put on from the special interest affiliate perspective and the BOP. This was this was addressed um, in a broader scale level as, you know, there were uh, commitments from every candidate who, who has now been elected to work on bringing bridging the gap between the local chapter, the state affiliate, the special interest affiliate, and the national organization. And I think, you know, one of the things is members of record. And that some affiliates, you know, I, I can only speak for BPI, GDOI, the ones that, I, that I'm involved in, but some affiliates are very careful on making sure that every member is represented. You know, the recertification process is probably something that as, a, as an organization we'll look at too to see if we can streamline that, you know, so that no local chapter member who really doesn't have any national representation doesn't realize that they're part of the national organization. And like I said, if you go back to those candidate forums and, and any of these shows that the candidates spoke about, I think one of the big things the leaders have committed to in the, you know, the coming year or two years is that we're going to really bridge the divide between that local level and the national level, and that'll help with voting as well. I think one of the other things that we will continue to stress, continue to educate is that, you know, when you're looking at the roll call vote or the affiliate vote, uh, that's only one half of the voting process. So you have your individual vote. And, and the affiliate or the roll call vote. And so, you you know, I know that there are a bunch of people that just did the, uh, you know, the, the affiliate vote, uh, 
and not the individual vote that they were represented and they really weren't. So it's really a two-step process, almost like the electro electoral college. And we all yes. know how well that works and how much we all love that. That doesn't, you know, but anyway. But, and also, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but you know what, I'll carry the lift today. We're a grassroots organization. You know, as much as we want our leaders to listen to and respect all of our opinions, they can't listen to and respect our opinions if we don't give them, if we don't participate. So if your state or your special interest affiliate is not representing the way you think they need to, then hold them accountable. I know, you know, I can speak for the state of Florida and for BPI specifically, both of those presidents put out exactly how, Margie, you can attest to this if you unmute, at least on the BPI side of things, both of those presidents put out exactly how they wanted to hear from each and every member about how to carry those votes. So if your, if your state or special interest affiliate didn't give you clear and, and concise instructions on how to make sure your, your uh, opinion was represented, then hold them to task. You know, bring bring the board or or the powers that be of those affiliates, hold them to task and make sure that going into next year, they have a clear and concise system for the roll call slash affiliate vote. You know, if we don't hold our leaders to task, then we can't complain on the other side when they didn't do what we wanted them to do or needed them to do. I hear another comment and then Byron will take a check on hands as well. Was that you, Connie? Nope, I, I'm good. I disagree with everyone else. I mean, I just think that, you know, I've, I've, I have visited with some members. Um, people have reached out to me about this concern. And I, I just think that it's a check and balance system and um, it's something that we need to work on. So that's what I'll say. So thanks. Byron, do we have any hands up? I do not see any hands up currently. Well then, Connie, unmute yourself again. Let's ask about your first couple of weeks as a brand new board member. What do you want to share with folks? What have you learned? What is what surprised you along the way so far? Um, I'm not sure what surprised me. Um, it's just been busy. I've been busy with the voting task force stuff. So it will be interesting after I get them, hopefully after today, I mean, hopefully things will slow down, but um, it's been good. I mean, uh, I have really appreciated some members reaching out to me by phone calls and emails um, and wanting to visit about concerns. And I have been happy to visit with them and talk about whatever solutions or issues they have. So it's it's been nice. I, I, um, I really do truly wanna work with all the members and I feel like everyone does have a voice and a purpose in this organization. Ray, can you unmute for a minute? Sure. I recently read an article and did some follow-up um, searching around the web. Uh, the company you work for took a pretty strong stand this week on um, on passengers, um, safety, et cetera, et cetera. What did you think when, when you saw that all come down? Um, I am, well... What we did is we are going to mandate that our employees by um, October, I think it is, uh, are all vaccinated against COVID-19. And I, I am very proud of our company for doing that. Um, you know, in the airline industry, 
safety is number one. And this is what it's all about. It's about safety. It's about making sure that um, folks are, you know, can be confident that um, everything is being done to keep them safe uh, when they fly. And uh, I'm very proud of my company for taking that stand. Uh, first airline to do it. And um, um, I'm, I'm pleased that um, we did. We were the first airline to require masks um, and we are the first uh, airline to mandate vaccines. And it's all about, we've got to make sure people are, feel confident when they get on a plane that, um, that everything that's possible is being done to uh, protect their safety. And that's been the heart of everything we've done from this to the mask mandate to uh, running our filtration systems, uh, even you know when their planes are on the ground, to the static, to the uh, electrostatic spraying that we did, uh, have done uh, our Clean Plus for program at United. Um, that's that's what it's been all about. And there has been, and the way it was, it was interesting how um, uh, our chief digital officer put it uh, on a call I was on with her the other day. And she said, our CEO, Scott Kirby, has sent too many letters to families of United employees who have died from COVID. And he said, she said, we don't want him to have to send any more of those letters. And so that's why what they did was so important. So for, you know, we'll check hands in another minute or two, but for folks out there who haven't flown since since before the pandemic, I know, you know, I've flown, you've flown, you've been down to Florida for our, for our convention, which was great. It was awesome having Ray represent the board. Um, for folks who haven't flown, you know, do you feel confident getting on a plane? Do you feel that the measures that are in place protect you to the highest degree possible? Well, well, let me kind of run over just what to expect for folks when you do go to the airport. And um, um, first of all, to answer your direct question, yes, I feel absolutely confident that everything possible is being done to keep me as safe and healthy as possible. Um, so for folks that have not flown, um, so that when you, so what, so what happens is when you go to the airport, and it probably starts when you leave your home, in a lot of cases, because you may be taking an Uber or a taxi or something like that, well, or a paratransit or something like that, well, you have to wear a mask in those. That's federal law. Um, and so when you get to the airport, you're going to have to keep your mask on. Um, they are still required to provide you meet and assist services. Let me say that again. They are still required to provide meet and assist services, and they're required yep. to assist you in the way that you want to be assisted. In other words, they can't, they can't say, for example, well, I, I don't want you that close to me, so I really would like you to ride in the wheelchair. They, they can't do that. Now, if you want to go sighted guide, you need to be allowed to do that. Um, and so, um, you know, make sure that you, you raise a little stink if they try to do that to you. Um, you're going to, have to keep your mask on. Um, there is a point where they are going to ask you probably to pull it down. And that's when you, you just before you go through security, when you show your ID um, they're going, and your boarding pass, they're going to have you pull your mask down so they can make sure that, yeah, that's really your face on the ID. So uh, for that, you will need to pull it down. Right now, going through the TSA, um, they have exempted hand sanitizer. Uh, so you can take a big bottle of hand sanitizer if you need to uh, with you. So that, that's one that I would you know, pull that out of your bag and you know, stick it in the bin and they won't give you any trouble. Except, and there's one exception, I got nailed by this. Sometimes 
the hand sanitizer sets off alarms because they test it to make sure that that's really what it is. And sometimes it alarms. If that happens, they may want to pat you down. Um, but, you know, as always with pat downs, they have to have someone of the same gender doing it and all of that. And, and they, and, and the couple, I had this happen once and the TSA agent was very good about explaining what he was going to do and, and all of that. But um, no, I asked him what happened and they said that sometimes the hand sanitizers will, will alarm. And then they have to just, they're, they're, you know, it's all about safety guys. And so, but you have to keep your mask on. You have to keep your mask on during the flight unless you're actively eating or drinking. And that means that you're taking a bite or a sip and then you gotta put it back down or put it back up. So you can't sit there with your coffee in front of you and uh, while well, I'm actively eating and drinking. Yeah, and hold that last sip for 30, 40 yeah. minutes because you just wanna, yeah, they're not down with that. <laughs> it ain't, ain't gonna work, ain't gonna work. Even in first class, they're not down with that. They come over and say, you know, can, can I refresh your drink or take it away? And you have exactly. to put your mask back up. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and guys, I just would say this, please don't give the flight attendants a hard time with this. They're doing their job. They are, this is a federal mandate, they're required to do it, and it's all about all of our safety. And just, you know, just don't give the flight attendants a hard time. Mom always said that you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, and that's really true. So just, just follow the rules, and you'll be fine. It's, it's, it's really not a whole lot different. And like I said, I feel very, very confident. Well, you know, I got to say, Connie, um, Jeff, Pat, uh, Ray, Dan, if you're out there listening, you guys have done such a good job at getting the information out there that we didn't need two hours for questions and answers. I honestly thought we were going to have more hands. Um, but since I'm saying that, Byron, let's take a check again. Do we have anybody with a question or a comment? We actually do have a hand. Uh, 314, right. go ahead and speak. Welcome to Sunday Edition. Hello. Oh. Hi, how are you? We hear you. Belcher, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, I want to tell you this. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be about as straightforward with you as I know how to be. All right. I'm not, I'm not crazy about these masks. I went somewhere. It's back in December. It's after I got back from visiting my fiance in Maryland. And somebody asked me, said, you tired? I said, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of wearing those masks. Uh, my fiance wears masks, and both of us are pretty much glad to get when we can get those things off. I'm sure that there's a lot of other people besides us that do. But here's the thing: I want to go and uh, visit my fiance. She lives up there in a little town called Windsor Mill, Maryland. So I flew to Baltimore. Did I want to wear a mask? No. But I wanted to fly, and I wanted to go up there and see her. And where I come from, if you want stuff, whether it's going to a concert or going out to, to eat or to a movie, and particularly at these times, if you want stuff, you have to do some things. And that's just, that's just how it is. Uh, I got on the plane, flew up to Baltimore. I got on the plane flying back here home to St. Louis. And, and it worked out pretty good for the most part. You do what you have to do. 
I know I've heard there's people that say, well, hey, uh, it's my constitutional right not to wear a mask. I'm a member of AMBET's Post 6 uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, 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 I belong to the Sons of AMBETS. Yeah, I have the right to go in there and drink a beer, and I do. What I don't have a right to do is, as my dad used to say, spread hate and discontent. Now, I go out there and I start giving a lot of problems with people. Say I get so drunk that I get out there and I start giving problems with people. When I went to the Arkansas School for the Blind, I had a principal that said this, and I quote, where somebody else's rights begin, that's where your rights end. That's how it is. Amen, Rick. Amen. Um, amen. And look, I... Thank you for your service, first of all. And, uh, yes. you know, no one, first of all, I mean, really all this COVID stuff, we're all tired of it. We're all tired of it. And it just, and, and what makes me so, and I don't, I, I, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I'm going to do it anyway. What makes me so darn angry is there's an easy solution. Get vaccinated. Everybody needs to do that. Our history, we, we've eradicated all sorts of diseases with vaccines. Polio, this measles. Is, absolutely. Yes. This is no different. And and there's no, and the thing about it is, in our lifetimes, and I was listening to something the other day, uh, our corporate medical director, I think, said this, no one in our lifetimes has ever seen a virus that spreads like this, that spreads through the air. Most times it's, you know, there, there's other ways that you catch things. This is something no, none of us have ever seen. And um, it's what, what saddens me most of all is that this has gotten politicized and yep. you know, pub, public health should never be politicized. And Rick, I love what you said about where your, your rights end, where somebody else's rights begin. And that's absolutely true. And that, uh, thank you for saying that. I, that's very true. But I want to say this. I am a military brat. I am the son of Van Vets. My dad was in the Navy for 22 years, but I've traveled overseas and around the United States. And he decided he won't live in Arkansas. We moved there in the late 60s. But the thing of it is, is, is that uh, that's where it is, and you got to know where uh, there is a line. The line starts over here. The line ends over here. And that's, Well, that's speaking about that line. starts where it stops. Speaking about that line, I actually asked Gabriel Lopez Cafati to join us because he's made a very, very eloquent point many times that I, I really wanted to find a reason to express on Sunday edition so that we had this extra time today. We've got it. Gabe, can you unmute and talk to us a little bit about the social contract? Okay, I think I'm unmuted. You are. Okay, hi, hey, everyone. Gabe. Hey, Gabriel. Hey. hey, how are you? How's everyone? Oh, well. So great, great. We have a busy day today, all of us. So really quickly, I know Anthony wanted me to share a little bit of what I, um, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm a geek. <laughs> and for those of you who know my history, I, I was uh, an, a lawyer in Honduras. And um, one of the books that I was always fascinated during my, uh, during my law, my law school tenure was um, The Social Contract by Rousseau. Uh, the Social Contract is, is as old as it can be, is the basis for, for the reason of being of a state. 
uh, a state as a governing institution. So the social contract, basically, what it boils down to is that we make a contract as citizens, as individuals, to give up part of our freedom for the greater good. And then we, we, uh, we trust that freedom, that, that portion of our freedom that we give up, we trust a governing institution, which is the state, to make sure that we, uh, that, that we have someone watching over our well-being. And then obviously then, you know, that's, I'm not going to go into, like, like Ray said, we're not going to, I'm not going to go into that rabbit hole. Obviously then there's like checks and balances and how do we make sure that the state is actually you, looking out for the greater good. But yeah. Use seatbelts as an example, because seatbelts is a perfect example of the social contract. Well, yeah, because we make sure through seatbelts that uh, basically everyone has, you know, you, you, no one's negating your space, but, you know, just be safe within your space and make sure that others are safe because like Rick and Ray and so many others have said, your well-being and your freedom ends where my freedom and my well-being start. So if your freedom is imprinting in my well-being, then that's when that's when the social contract comes into play because we are giving, we are part of a of a civilized uh, society in which we all have willingly given part of our freedom to make sure that we all enjoy the same benefits and the same freedoms. Now, with this whole thing uh, about uh, vaccine and mandate, uh, I mean vaccine and mask mandate. I, I feel that, that if we want to talk about freedom, I feel that we, we are reaching a moment in, in, in our societal history in which we, businesses and, and private entities should start exercising that freedom and start deciding who, you know, if, 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 if you are intoxicated, like, you know, if you, if you, if you decide, if you have a long layover in, a, in an airport and you decided to go to the to the bar in an airport and you're totally wasted intoxicated they won't let you on a plane so there are guidelines nope. and regulations um so businesses and mass transportation uh you know airlines should start you know asking people or or, or requesting either a proof of covid negative or uh, proof of full vaccination. Otherwise, I'm sorry, but you know we we are exercising our freedom as as a company. I've I've heard from friends in Canada, Denmark, who are reporting uh, some some cities, not the entire country, but some cities that are reporting zero, zero, um, new new cases, new COVID cases per day, and those are places that have enforced a mandate in which public places. Uh, are required to request what they're calling a COVID pass. I know, I know. We may have, some people may may cringe to the sound of of that, but you know, like Ray said, this is something unprecedented. This is something that none of us has ever experienced, and probably will never experience in a couple hundred years. So you know, unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. So, I, as an American citizen who's proud to being an American citizen got my vaccination because I want to be safe, but I also want to make sure that I don't inadvertently pass it to my mother who has COPD and lung cancer. And God forbid, 
have to stand in a memorial service thinking to myself, if only I had gotten the vaccine, I wouldn't have killed my mother. And yeah, that might be an extreme um, way of putting it. But I want to make sure that I don't add to this virus by taking those particles and passing them along to people. So I got my vaccine and now I was rejoicing that I could take the mask off finally, that once I got out of my paratransit vehicle and I walked into a restaurant, oh yeah, I'm free, let me breathe and cough and sneeze and have a good time. Well, with the variant that has come along, it, that's now no longer the, the standard. So I wear my mask until I'm ready to put the drink to my mouth or the fork to my mouth or whatever you know other scenario I might be in. And the thing that bugs me the most is that this is the Delta variant. They're talking about a Lambda variant. What happens if enough mutations happen that the next variant or the variant after that has absolute the vaccine and the and the monoclonal, whatever it's called, the infusion treatment has absolutely no effect on that mutation of the virus. And it just starts taking people out. If we don't do what we need to do for the greater, you know, for the greater, for all of us, the greater good, then we really... We, we're doomed to doom ourselves. I, I, think, I think it was the, Jeff that was about to jump in. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. The business community, I think Gabriel's right. The business community is really the only entity in this country that yep. has the platform that people will follow because we are so anti-government. We've become like Eastern Europe. We, we just hate yep. our government. And so people aren't going to listen to government anymore. Um, but they may listen to the business community because they look up to that community. At least certain segments of our population do. Others of us don't. But, uh, you know, so I think Gabriel has a very valid point, And I am hoping, as he is, that, that, that the business community will continue to act like United has done and that people will follow them. Well, you know, one thing, too, um, I, one silver lining I, I think exists out there. And I think it's going to happen fairly soon. And everything I've been hearing, and I'm sure others too, has been hearing. I think once these vaccines are fully FDA approved, where they've got the full approval, not just the emergency use that we have now, but the full approval, I think there's a group of people, and I hope it's a sizable group, I think it might be, that is just waiting for that. And once they get that, then they're going to go out and get vaccinated. And, no, uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, I, you know, I think so it's a smaller group than you think. Yeah, but I am very, very hopeful that the the business community will take that full approval and say, now that we've gotten this, you cannot come into our establishments without the vaccine or or proof of a COVID test within the past three days. Period, point blank. You can't fly. You can't get on a train. Mm -hmm. You can't come and drink my beer. You can't eat my hamburger. (laughs) You're free to not get vaccinated and not wear a mask, but you're not free to come into my Free to come on in here and make the rest of us sick. And yep. on that note, I'm, I'm going to log off. I just wanted to say two and, quick things. Um, Ray, uh, kudos to United. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm an American <laughs> loyalist. I've been, I still, I I've still been, like you. <laughs> I know, I know, Ray. You have to understand, American was the first one to start flying to Honduras. Um, so I became mm-hmm. an American, uh, you know, frequent flyer since 1992 <laughs> yep. so imagine uh but anyway kudos to united um and last thing i want to say you know i i always my one of my mottos not only personally but also as um steward of bpi's mission and vision is no judgment 
So I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna share with everyone this funny meme that I read on Facebook earlier today. Um, and like I said, from a place of no judgment, I just find it funny, <laughs> funny but true. It was something that said, so you have been eating hot dogs and processed meats all your life, but yeah, you say you don't wanna get vaccinated because you don't know what's in it. <laughs> I just found that fun. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> Byron, let's do a quick hand anyway, check while uh, I think we've got about seven or eight minutes. Looks like we do have a hand. Uh, let's All right. see. Thanks, um, Gabriel, by the way. Oh, well, that's Gabriel's hand. Okay. There was another hand, yeah. but they're not raised anymore. All right. I'll give um, everybody on the panel a, um, a moment to say some last thoughts. And please, everybody, uh, the process starts at 4 p.m. today. The roll call affiliate starts at 6.15. And we're going to get the vote tallies at, what, 7 or 7.15, Connie? It'll be about between 7 and 7.15 by the time uh, Nancy, Mark Specker, and Denise can get together and get their totals together. So so as many of you out there that are listening, I expect to to see you all on a Zoom or at least feel the participation by the vote numbers that will be counted out by Nancy Mark Specker between 7 and 7.15 tonight. Connie, you go first. What are your last thoughts for today? I just, I want to thank you again for having us. I think this is a great opportunity. Um, I've, you know, I really enjoyed doing the community calls, the outreach, and hopefully I'll continue to do that. Um, I just, I think this is a huge day, a huge moment for ACB to um, let everyone vote. And I think our founders would be impressed and be happy that- Absolutely all members can have a say because that's what they wanted. I mean, that's what we stand for is everyone is equal and everyone has a say in democracy and how we perform our duties. Pat? This is a big opportunity, for, as Connie just said, for the organization. It is also something that Dan has worked very long on. And I think it's something he wants to see pass. We know uh, we have uh, Dan on our mind, and we're wishing him well. I think this would be a great opportunity for us to vote yes and thank Dan for all the hard work he's put into this. So let's absolutely be and do it. I agree. Jeff? Yep. So, to those who have concerns about going down this path, I would only say this. We've worked under a very imperfect system where only a few people have been able to vote because they've been able to afford to come to convention. We're changing that system. Don't expect it to be a perfect system. No system will ever be perfect, but it's going to be much better when everybody has that opportunity to vote. Great, great point. Um, right? Can't add too much more, Anthony. Thank you again for having us. Um, and, um, and thank you to all the members who have expressed concerns and questions and either in this forum or, or others. Those questions are extremely important and we need to be thinking about them going forward. Um, but again, we, we have a historic opportunity this afternoon to make ACB's future. What is our tagline together for a bright future? That's what we all need to be thinking about as we thoughtfully consider these amendments this afternoon and um, 
as second vice president of this organization, I am so proud that we are on the cusp of something so historic in this organization. And um, having been friends with uh, MJ Schmidt and many others, I know that they're looking down and saying, you, you go, this is what, I am proud of what you're doing. So thanks a lot. Well, on behalf of Sunday Edition, let's, um, let's send one more big shout out of prayers and well wishes to Dan Spoon, also to Jason Castingway. Um, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or any of the shows I do, or you have an idea or something you want me to announce, you can always reach Sunday Edition at the email celebration, A-C, my initials, C-E-L-E-B-R-A-T-I-O-N-A-C at AOL.com, celebration, A-C at AOL.com. You will always be able to connect with myself, Sunday Edition, my guests. I will forward on anything that you'd like to somebody who's appeared on Sunday edition. I thank all the loyal listeners and I hope everybody exercises their right to vote today. Byron, any, um, any final thoughts for today? And then we'll take it out with the outro. I just hope that everybody um, votes to pass this, this uh, new motion and uh, this will make it so that so many new people will be able to vote. Uh, it, it's, it's going to, I think a lot of people are worried about leaving people behind. And I think this is going to bring in people that were never able to able to vote before. So I'm really excited about this. And, and I really hope that, uh, that we have a, a party um, uh, and celebrate the passing of this motion tonight. Will you be postponing the fun zone for um, the roll call, uh, you know, for, for the results of the election tonight? I will definitely be listening uh, on another device while I'm doing the fun zone tonight. So I will I will definitely <laughs> I be there. I was actually going to suggest that fun zone celebrates like what we hope yeah, is going to exactly. be a passing. <laughs> yes. uh, there's all of those school, like those school rock, you know, how does the bill get passed and, and what, you know, what is Congress about and all that. I can see a fun zone all about political, you know, satire, um, comedy songs. <laughs> I'm just a bill here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yes. And speaking of, I love that. Speaking of programming, uh, Anthony, I don't know if you did it before I wasn't listening earlier, but, um, but uh, anyone who's a BPI member or an ally or a friend, um, we, we, uh, unfortunately, uh, our board meeting was scheduled before, uh, the announcement of ACB's uh, voting today. So we are still going on with our board meeting. It's going to be a very, very short one. And actually, um, it's yet another opportunity for us, primarily for BPI members, but anyone who wants to join us is another opportunity to ask questions and um, get clarification on ACB's amendment process today. And we'll let everyone go uh, quickly so that everyone can go exercise their individual ballots and for me to be there prompt and square at 6 p.m. at the affiliate roll call vote. Yes, the BPI board meeting is at five o'clock. You can hit that celebration email if you want an invite to that as well. All right, that will do it for this week's Sunday edition. Connie, Pat, um, Jeff, Ray, um, Margie, everyone who called in, uh, Wesley, I can't remember everyone, but anyone who participated today, thank you so much. And use that individual power to vote. Thank you so much. I'll be back next week with the DKM and JP Morgan class of 2021. See you then. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, Questions, comments, 
feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebrationac. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.